Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, do, Lord, lead us now into sweet fields of meditation, Lord, on the truth of the coming of the Messiah, in Jesus' name, amen. So when you think about that word, the Messiah, it's so astounding because we say to ourselves, what does that word mean? What is, what is Messiah, Messiah, Messiah? We say Christ, it's the same word, Messiah. And we, you go back and to realize that Messiah is all about sending, sending, the sent one. When the Lord Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he said to him, that message in John 3 is a message all about the Messiah. When it says that God so loved the world that he gave, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he messiahed that person, God the Son, to come into the world. Messiah, what a wonderful name that is for us because it tells us of the love of God. Messiah is John 3.16. Messiah is unto us a child is born. Messiah is and the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Messiah is a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's all Messiah, Messiah. It's a wonderful word because it tells us that he was sent. All the Godhead was behind him. God the Father, God the Spirit sent God the Son, and God the Son was in total agreement with this concept of Messiah. He was sent. But I want us this morning just to think about what it was like What would it be like? We live, obviously, on this side of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his coming, of the fulfillment of him as the Messiah. But if you can this morning, just wipe your minds clean and pretend that you're living on this side of before he came. And and as we look at these prophecies, these words that God gave to indicate the Messiah is coming. In your mind, just try to imagine what you would have thought when each one of these prophecies was given. The first one, of course, was given right after the fall of man, right after man, the terrible tragedy 
The separation from God. Man becoming independent from God. Man saying, I don't want you to rule in my life. I will not have you reign over my life. I will live my life independent for God, from God. I will embark on the great experiment of a life without God, and I will prove that I will become as wise as God. My eyes will be opened. I will have everything that I desire, and I will not have any limitations and any change. That was a great tragedy. That is, that was sin. That was the birth of sin. That is what sin is today. It hasn't changed. It's independence from God. And when that happened, the consequences flooded in on Adam and Eve with the sense of their shame, the sense of their guilt, their sense of a great loss. And they don't know what they lost, but they lost. And they don't know, they don't know why, but they are lost. They lost and they are lost. And this was all flooded into their soul after they made this terrible, tragic decision to sin. And in that state, God stepped in and he, he called to Adam. And it says in, 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 in Genesis 3.15, the first one, promise of the Messiah, when he's going there and he's asking for accountability to Adam, what did you do? To Eve, what did you do? To the serpent, what did you do? And when he comes to the serpent, he explains in Genesis 3.15. And picture this is the first time you've ever heard of the Messiah when he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So you're reading that, you're hearing that for the first time, or you're reading that for the first time. You're in this period of before he's come and you're putting together in your mind, what will the Messiah do when he comes? And what you read about is violence. You're reading about a bruising of the head or a crushing of the head and a bruising of the heel of a snake. And you right away you understand when the Messiah comes, he will fight. He will fight for us and he will be the seed of the woman. And you're reading this and you're hearing this for the first time and you're saying, the seed of the woman? What does that, nowhere in the Bible does it ever speak about the seed of the woman. It's always speaking about the seed of man. But here, the Messiah is going to come as the seed of the woman. And when the Messiah comes, he will fight. So this is the first image that you have in your mind. He's a fighting Messiah. He's a Messiah who's going to conquer. He's a Messiah that is going to rescue us, and it's going to be through a great battle, through a fight. And then you read on, and you read then in in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, chapter 7, verse 14, and another famous verse about the Messiah. And you read this. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So now you realize, as you read this for the first time and you understand this passage, that, and you, and you focus on that, you hold this, you hold this very precious in front of you, you're saying, this is a word from heaven. 
And God says, there's going to be a sign, a certain sign. A virgin will conceive. That's a sign. Never seen that before. But then this is what God says. This is going to be the sign. A virgin will conceive. Watch for the virgin. Look for the virgin who will conceive. And the virgin will bear a son. And this son's name will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And you understand, because you're, you're Jewish and you understand Hebrew, what the word Emmanuel means. And you've never heard this name before. But you understand because you understand Hebrew, that it's a contraction of three Hebrew words. First is the word im, im, which means together, together or with, togetherness. And then there's the word anu, which means our, our. And you've used those terms all the time. You've talked about anu, 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 anachno dea, anu, we, uh, together, us, we, we, us, anu. And then there's the word El, El, which means the mighty God. And so as you hear this word for the first time, you think you're scratching your head and you're wondering, what does that mean? My togetherness with the mighty God. How can I have a union, a togetherness with the mighty God? And you're hearing this and you're saying, it's going to be from this verse through this person. This person who's going to come from a virgin that's going to conceive, and she's going to bear a son, and through him, I can have a togetherness with God. I can have a union with God, my union with God, my own personal together with togetherness with God. That's going to be my im anu el. That will be through this person, through this son, who's going to be born from a virgin. And so you put this together and you say, this virgin is going to conceive. She's going to give birth to a son. In him is represented my togetherness with God, and he's going to fight. And he's going to be also hurt during this fight. But in the process of this fight, he's going to destroy the last person that God held accountable when he turned to the serpent, to Satan. And so you're trying to process this in your mind. Because again, you don't know how it's all going to happen. You're just taking in the input from the prophecies. And then you come and you read in Isaiah 9-6. In Isaiah 9-6, more about this Messiah. And you read these wonderful words. Unto us a child is given. Sorry. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is born. You stop there. You say, unto us a child is born. I know about that child. Because two chapters before, I read that a virgin was going to conceive and bear a son. And the child is born. Unto us. But you sit there and you think to yourself, unto us. It's a gift. It is sent. He is sent from heaven. He is the Messiah with a with a tag that says to you on him, unto us, unto us a child is born. And then you read, unto us a son is given. And you pause at that moment and you say to yourself, what is the difference 
between born and given. And you realize at that point, there is a difference. Because the child that is born, that's the beginning. But a son that's given, that's not speaking about his beginning. He is given. He is already there. And he is given. But the child that's born, and you're processing all of this in your mind, and you're asking yourself the question, who is he? Who is this one, this son that's given, who is coming through to the earth as the Messiah from a child that's born from a virgin who will fight this great bloody fight that's that's spoken about in Genesis 3? Who is this? And so you read on in, in, in Isaiah 9, 6, and you realize the government will be upon his shoulder. Oh, he's a king. He's a king. The government will be upon his shoulder. He is responsible for governing. He will rule. And you realize, and you think about this. He's a king. Unto us, you're Jewish. Unto us, the government, he is the king of the Jews. He, unto us, the government, he is the king of the Jews. And then you go on and you read these words. His name is going to be Wonderful Counselor. He's going to be a counselor. He's going to tell me what I need to know. He's going to give me direction in my life. He's going to advise me. He's going to lead me. Oh, this Messiah will be a shepherd. This Messiah is going to be the good shepherd. When he comes, I'll bet he'll say something like, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I'll understand. Because he is going to be bloodied from his first prophecy. And here he is, the wonderful counselor, the leading one. Then you read on, and it says, he's called the mighty God. The mighty God. El. That's the name of God that's about might and power. He's God. This is God. And at this point, you scratch your head. And you say, how can this be? How can this be that God would be from the seed of the woman, a virgin conceiving? How can this be that God would become bloodied in a conflict? How can this be? But you read, he is the mighty God, El Gabor. Gabor in Hebrew always has the connotation of someone of a great reputation, a great renown. A, a, a great one. In Hebrew, it's the current word for hero. A hero God. He is the hero God. He is the renowned God. And you wonder about that. And then you go on, you say, and you read and he says, his name's going to be called the everlasting father. The everlasting, the father who has no beginning, who has no end. He always is. Just like we read this morning, just like we heard this morning. In the beginning, the word was there. No beginning, no ending. In the beginning, he was there. This is the everlasting one. This term is always a term for God. Olam. Everlasting. Father. How could he be called the Father? And later on when he comes, you think he may say something like, I and my father are one. 
I and my Father are one. He's called the everlasting Father because you cannot tell the difference between Him and the Father. And then you read that His name is going to be called the Prince of Peace. And you realize you have warfare in your heart. You have the sin and the shame and the guilt and the conflict and the anger that comes from warfare. Warfare in the heart. And you say to yourself, I need a peacemaker. I need someone to come into my heart and to put this warfare at once and for all at rest. And you've read other places in Isaiah where God said, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, and say unto them, your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquities are pardoned. And so you're wanting so much for this Messiah to come because you feel this personal need in your heart. Everything that's described here, you said, yes, I need a wonderful counselor to lead and to guide me and to direct me in life. You said, yes, I need a hero or renowned God, one that I will admire. Yes, I need an everlasting Father. I need to live everlasting and forever because I know that when my first parents sinned against God, death came into the world and now I see my friends, my family dying one by one, and I realize that I will also die. Where is the everlasting, the everlasting life? I need him to give me everlasting life. And then the warfare in my heart, I need him to be the Prince of Peace. So you read a verse like this, and you connect it with your own needs, and then you begin to say, I need the Messiah. I need the Messiah who will be the child that is born and the son that is given and will have all these wonderful names that will meet every need of my heart that I have here. And this is what's in your mind of who the Messiah is, of what he will be, of who he will be. That's all you know. You haven't gone to any nativity scenes at this point. Now with this in your mind, now I want you to think about this as a backdrop of the actual fulfillment of these verses as I read for you the Christmas account in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And just think, that's the way it happened? It came to pass that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, but he, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And you stop at that point, and all you've known from the prophecies that have gone before in Genesis and in Isaiah, and you say to yourself, that's it? That's the fulfillment? This is the Messiah? This is the Messiah. This is the great one who will, who will, who will engage in a deadly battle. 
and defeat my great enemy, Satan? This is the Messiah who is born of a virgin? This is the who is called Emmanuel? This is the one who's going to bring me a togetherness with God? This person that I've just read about is the one who is the son that's given? This is the king of the Jews, the government on his shoulders? This is the wonderful counselor that I'm going to follow through my life? This is the mighty God? This is the everlasting father, the prince of peace? And it is. And you can't believe it. Because it all starts with such a tragedy. Such a tragedy. A a, a ruthless, bloodthirsty Roman ruler, Caesar Augustus, makes a decree and forces the family to have to leave their place in Nazareth to go down under the, under, under the threat of the Roman consequences if they don't, back to Bethlehem to get to a place down there. All the hotels are full. There's no, there's no, no, uh, no vacancy anywhere. And you can picture them going from one place to the other and Joseph is getting more and more nervous and he's more and more desperate as he sees that his spouse wife is going to give birth and he's knocking on the door in desperacy and every door is being shut in him saying, no, we don't have any room for you. We don't have any room for you. And the desperacy is in his eyes and he comes to this one and they, and, and this one says, there's no room but go out with the animals in the barn. You can take a place in there. And he goes... He goes into a barn. She gives birth in a barn, a dirty barn with animals all around. And he looks around, where's the cradle? Where am I going to lay the baby? And he says, well, it's not much, but it's something. It's a feeding trough. So he goes and gets the manger. He wraps the baby in the swaddling clothes, and he lays him there. That's the Messiah. That's the one that you've been waiting for. That's the one that you've been anticipating. That's the great mighty God laying there in a manger. And that's how he came into the world in such humble circumstances. And then you would think, well, the great announcement that has been looked forward to for thousands of years surely will be made as a blaze across the sky in Jerusalem And all of Jerusalem, especially the religious leaders, will all be given their own private announcement by angels coming to them and singing to them, this is the Messiah. And instead what happens? Shepherds, the lowliest of people. Shepherds, the lowest occupation. Dirty shepherds out there in in, in fields with all the messiness of taking care of animals out there at night protecting their animals. And to them, God says, perfect congregation. And he makes the great announcement there, as it says in, in Luke 2, 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 